How great your love for us, a fallen and broken people, proud people. And Lord, yet you looked down upon us and you loved us anyway. Even though we're rebellious, day to day our minds did not seek you. Lord, we did not naturally draw to righteousness. Lord, yet you loved us. You pursued us. And you gave us your son. That he may take our wrong, our sin, our rebellion, and Lord, take it and pay the debt we could not pay. How great the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. Lord, we cannot compare you with anything else. There is no power, there is no dominion that is above you. And Father, for this we are so grateful. Because there is nothing that can snatch us from your hand if we know you. Lord, we thank you for the redemption we have through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the forgiveness of sin. We thank you for the newness of life we have through him. Lord, we cannot boast in anything. We have no gift. We have no ability that we can claim our own because it is all given from you and by you. And for this, Father, we are so grateful. Lord, because all we can do is boast in you, and that's all we ought to do is boast in you. So, Father, we ask that thy Holy Spirit right now first would empower Dan as he gives the message in the word today. Father, that your spirit would search the depths of our hearts and, Father, bring to light those things that we are hiding from you that keep us from living a pure and upright life, from those areas that we use to protect ourselves. Father, may those walls come down before you in light of your word, in the light of Christ, and in the power of his spirit. So, Father, take the message. And use it, Father, in each of our lives for your glory and for the name of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So again, I just want to read uh, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 5, 17 to you uh, just before we head into this message. And uh, again, it says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that, the one man, Jesus Christ. It's just an incredible verse. And as we reflect on this question today, uh, you know, just one of the things that I could say is there are so many different ways that, that, that the answer will, can take you. And, uh, and so I just want to focus, I want to share how this question answers how this, the answer to this question and the question itself impacts our life vertically with God, our life horizontally with other people, and practically in the way that we live uh, each day. And so this morning as we, as we look at this, just looking at the vertical truth in faith, what does this mean in my relationship with God? This passage, this question... What does it mean? Because one of the things that we should be asking as we read through these questions is what do they mean and how do they impact my life each and every day? 
Because if they don't, then they're really meaningless. Um, the questions were meant to uh, uh, to drive us. Is my, did my battery just go out? Test, test. Huh? Okay. All right. Just checking. Uh, it, it, it just calls us to question in, in a good way. And, and so one of the things that, that I really want to focus in on today is really um, the first part of the answer, which is that not everyone is saved uh, through Christ, that no, only those who were elected by God and united with Christ by faith. And that's a, I'm going to reflect on that because it's a very tough statement, even within the evangelical churches today, okay? Because we live in a world of God's love and God's going to save everybody and everybody's going to go to heaven. And we, all say, we would all say amen if that were true, okay? But we know it's not true. We know it's not true from the word of God. And so one of the things that I just want to focus in on from this catechism question, and here it is, that God is completely and totally sovereign. In other words, God is absolutely in control of the world that he created and all of the creatures that he has made, including you and I, that God is in absolute control of everything that is taking place. Even down to what's happening in our world today, folks, God is in control. And we just need to understand that. We need to believe that, that God is in control. In fact, God is not only in control, but he is moving all things to its final end for his own purposes and his own glory. We need to understand that and live by that. In the midst of all the chaos that's happening in our world, we just need to understand that God is completely and totally sovereign. So what do I mean by this? That there is not one person or one thing, Christian or non-Christian, that is outside of the rule of God. No one is outside of the rule of God. Do you believe that? No one. This is a massive truth for our lives today. Massive. Humongous. They're just, uh, just so important for us. So the answer to this question tells us that God is absolutely sovereign, not over just creation and history, but over our salvation. He is over, he is over our salvation. And I know that this is an uncomfortable truth for some people. It just is. It's, a, it's uncomfortable to believe that salvation is, lies in the hands, solely in the hands of God. All right? Many have come to believe that it just doesn't seem fair that God would save some, but not all. Okay? People struggle with that, you guys. But listen to Romans chapter 8, 28, 29. It makes it very clear that only some are saved by God's grace through faith. And we know that, uh, that those who love God, uh, that those who love God, all things work together uh, for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son in order that he might be the firstborn, uh, the firstborn among many, many brothers. This passage is speaking that there are some who will be saved and that there are some who will not be saved. That's just a fact, okay? It's a biblical fact that we need to understand. However, looking at this from a, a, another perspective, I just want to encourage you to look at this from another perspective 
and, and look at it because it should provide for you and I great humility and great joy that God saves. Number one, if I just said God saves, you would all say amen. But if I said to you, God doesn't save everybody, you would go, bummer. That's a downer, is it? Is it not? I mean, it, it's just like, because I know that every one of you, when we say the second phrase, then some of you are already thinking about people that you know who are not believers. Is that right? Every one of you should know at least one person that does not know God right now, that does not have a saving relationship with him. So, but, but one of the things that I just want to say, because sometimes we can get into that, that perspective, but I want you just to, your perspective just to change, because if you look at it from this perspective, then there should be great joy and great humility in the fact that God saved you. Paul points out in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that death spread to all men because all sin. And as a result, all humanity, all of humanity, justly and rightly deserves the wrath of God towards sin. And therefore, listen to what I'm going to say, no one, no one is deserving of salvation. Zip, nada, nobody. Not you, not me, no one is deserving of salvation. That lays the ground level flat, does it not? No one is deserving of salvation. So the only fair result or the only consequence of sin in man is death. However, God in his sovereign choice saves some out of sheer mercy motivated by his own good pleasure. And we could say, well, that sounds kind of selfish. Well, God's God and you're not. Okay, but here's the deal. Uh, uh, God in, in and by his sovereign choice saved some out of sheer mercy motivated by his own pleasure. Therefore, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, by definition, doesn't seem to be fair because it doesn't include all people. But the fact is, he does save by Christ alone, uh, by faith alone, by grace alone. Amen? But if God gave mercy to everyone, he would no longer be merciful. Romans chapter 9, verse 15, God says that he, I give mercy to whom I will give mercy and compassion to whom I will give compassion. And one of the things that we do, folks, I'm just going to challenge you with this idea, is that we put God in the same box with us. And he's not, and he never will be. And even like last week when we talked about someday being in the presence of God, he will still be God and you will still be you. And there will be a vast difference between the two. God will be God. He is sovereign and he is in control. His mercy and forgiveness are granted to those who see their need to repent of their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. So one of the things that I just want to say as we wrestle with this is that uh, for those of us who are in Christ, here's the truth that we need to hold on to. Here's the truth that we should cling to. And it is this, we should worship. We should give God glory, amen? We should say, God, thank you.
It's a cause to celebrate because the salvation that we have in Christ allows for no boasting in, our, in and of ourselves, but only in the sovereign grace that God has bestowed upon each and every one of us. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, 3 through 6 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He's speaking now to the Christian, to the believer, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us, bef- uh, chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for our adoption to Himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. So that's our vertical truth. That's how this should impact salvation in God, through God alone, because He is sovereign, should bring us to, really, I want to say humble joy. Humble joy. But there's a vertical truth here as well. And what does this mean in my relationship with humanity? And here are two things in our relationship with others uh, that this question and its answer uh, addresses, if you will. First is this. Because salvation is solely a work of God's sovereign grace, and we have no idea who will be saved and who will not, and who will not be saved, then folks, then you and I just need to be touching lives for Jesus Christ. Amen? You and I need, are his witnesses. That's what uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, speaks about. It speaks about that not only did he call us into salvation, but he then called us to be his ambassadors, his representation, his ministers living in a foreign and strange land, a land that we won't live in forever but he's called us to be his representation to the world, to the people around us, to our neighbors. We have no idea who will be saved. Therefore, we have a responsibility under the authority of God to share the gospel with anyone and everyone that we come across. And here's the deal, folks. Perhaps they are someone that God is drawing to himself and he will use you to be the voice through which the message of the gospel comes. You don't know. Folks, you don't know what your encounter at the post office will bring you. You don't know what your encounter at the grocery store will bring you. You don't know where you might have a conversation that will that will open up into presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just don't know. And I'm just going to encourage you with this. Sharing Christ is not as hard as we make it out to be. It really isn't. All we have to do is ask questions. How are you? I cannot tell you how many times I've said, how are you to people and the grocery store clerks, check stand people, whatever, or whatever it might be, and for them to just unload their story with how are you. And then that question just, well, can I just share? Can I share with you? You ask more questions. And then as you ask the questions and you, and you draw in and you build a common ground with them, you can share. Folks, it is, 
it, it is, it, I just want to say it's that simple. Okay? But here's the deal. It's not simple because we haven't tried it. Okay? But the more we try, the easier it becomes. And I just want to encourage you with that. Okay? This is not me haranguing you. This is me encouraging you. Ask the questions. How are you? What's happening in your life? What's going on? And as they begin to share and as they begin to just unload their life, and I'm going to tell you that they do. They will. They will share. The more you ask, the more they will tell you. And then you can lead that into sharing Christ. So that's the first thing. Because salvation is solely the work of God and His sovereign grace, we have no idea who will be saved and who will not be saved. We have no idea. But He has called us to be His mouthpiece. Secondly, because God in his sovereignty, provides common grace. So there is saving grace. That's what we've been talking about. Now there's common grace that God provides, and God provides that to everybody, to all of mankind. And common grace, Christians must know that God is using people, everybody who are not, even those who are not saved, to bring about the establishment of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Do you believe that today? Folks, if you, if you can't really see what's happen, happening, and I don't want this to be a political thing, but if you cannot see where our world is going, that God is using everybody to move the course of history to its final place where he will call us home, then I'm just going to encourage you, you need to read your Bible some more. Okay? Seriously. God, God is moving. I was just reading a a kind of historical background between the Old and the New Testament and how the Jewish people that once they were deported into Babylon and then all the different takeovers and takeovers and takeovers and takeovers, by the time the Jewish people were back in Israel, here's the deal. Folks, they were the, the philosophies of man and all the things that were all blended into that. It's amazing that there were anybody, that there was anybody still searching for Jesus. In fact, all they could think about, we need someone who will take over and remove all this from us. That king is yet to come. Okay? The king that came is the Messiah, the Savior. And they were not ready for him. They just were not ready for him at all. They did not expect that. Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom, whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So folks, there's, there's this, this second idea that we need to understand that, that we, should not, uh, we should not avoid or, or isolate ourselves from those who are not believers thinking that they have nothing to offer, thinking that they're enemies. They are not. We are all humans. And God is using all of them in common grace. He is using all of them 
And from a, we, we need to be thinking this way, that all people are worthy of respect as God's image bearers and that he is potentially using them to establish his kingdom. So then we should show everyone respect and remember that God is furthering the establishment of his kingdom on earth through them. And folks, when I say respect, I'm not saying tolerate sin. There is a respect for the fact that every human being is a human. Amen? There's a fact that God made them in his image. We just talked about and we just sang about the fact that our image, not just their image, but our collectively image was broken by sin and in need of a savior, in need of redemption. We are no different except for grace. And so we need to look at the world that we live in that way and the people of this world. So there's the vertical and the horizontal truths that come out of this piece. And then there's the practical uh, truth in action. And, you know, um, in other words, we need to ask the question, if God is sovereign, even in our salvation, then what does he want me to do? What does he want me to do? And as I stated above, this question and answer compels us uh, to do, I think, three things. And let me just share them real, real quickly as we conclude today. One, because salvation is by sovereign grace alone, those who are saved ought to find themselves humbly celebrating God's amazing and wonderful work, the, the wonderful work of salvation, and not questioning his sovereign rule. Period. Folks, rather than questioning God, rather than questioning His goodness, rather than, rather than questioning His work, rather than saying, God, are you still there? Are you busy? Are you doing anything? Rather than question God, we should, as believers, humbly celebrate God's amazing grace and salvation. Folks, there ought not to be a day that goes by without you and I crawling out of bed, whether we're crawling or springing or jumping out of bed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, we ought to glorify God for saving our lives from eternal damnation and humbly, humbly worship at His footstool. Lord, I, I, I can't tell you the amount of times when I am, I, I am brought personally to tears knowing that God saved me. That I am humbled by His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. I am humbled that when I, when I in my propensity to, to sin and to stray, that, and I come back to the reality, the Holy Spirit convicts me and, and draws me back through the Word of God, and I'm, and I'm brought face to face with, a, with a, a forgiving God, and I have to humble myself and ask for forgiveness once again. I am humbled that he forgives and doesn't just erase. How about you? Secondly, in response to the same truth, uh, those who are uh, saved, you and I ought to, ought to find ourselves speaking the gospel to all those who come across uh, our paths since they do not know who God is and what he's doing in their lives. Folks, I... I just had a conversation with someone the other day. They, they, they said someone came to their church. They were 40 years old. They had never heard about Jesus Christ. 
Folks, that is the culture you and I are living in today. A 40-year-old person had not heard about Jesus Christ. Some of us are shaking our heads. That's impossible. Folks, it is happening. We are living in a new generation of people, as it says in Judges, who did not know God nor the works of His hands. It's a repeat from Israel. Who did not know God. A new generation that did not know God nor the works of His hands. Folks, that is where we are. And we need to understand that you and I are the voicepiece. God's voice. God's mouthpiece. God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. We have so much to offer. So the, so the one is that we are humbled by His saving work in our lives, that we understand our responsibility to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And third, that we must recognize that because God is sovereign over all things, He is using all things and all people to establish His kingdom. Thus, all people, saved or not, are worthy of our respect and worthy of our honor, worthy of our love, worthy of our care. Because they are instruments that God, our sovereign God, is using to advance His kingdom, and for most of them, even without knowing it. Do you understand that? God is using the, this world, all people, to advance his kingdom. Now, I was, just want to share this with you. I was listening to some speaker on that YouTube thing that just said, we need to save the world that we live on, the planet. No. No, folks, it's all going to burn up and be made new. It's all going to be changed by God. It's going to be made new. People that are believers, the world itself will be made new. We don't need to be saving it. We need to let God move history and move people to see his kingdom advance. And I, and I just have to be honest with you, folks. I, I'm saying that because sometimes the world and all that the world offers, the things of this world... They, they become things that, that tie us down, that become anchors to us, that, that actually distract us from God's kingdom and God's work. And we cling to those things. And we worship those things. And we give our hearts to those things. And God says we need to let them go. Because that's not what saves. That's not what redeems. That's not what rescues. His created world does not save. In the end, it will all be restored. And only God can do that. And you will be restored. You will be restored. And so our response, and we're just going to sit here as we sing this, as not even going to stand, just sing the chorus, because I think it's important. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Let's sing it together. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up higher and higher, and He shall lift you up. 
God, we come before you and we humbly thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in your saving grace to bring us to that place of saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, thank you. Thank you so much for loving us, for forgiving us, for uh, granting us a second chance through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for drawing us to that place, Lord, where we would even see our need for rescue, that we would see our need uh, for, uh, for forgiveness and redemption. Lord, thank you so much for all that you've done. God, we humbly acknowledge you as our sovereign God who is in control of all things. And Lord, you, that sovereign God, in your common grace, Lord, are using all people of all times throughout all of history to move all things to your final end, to your final glory, to, for your final purposes. And Lord, we get to be a part of that. And we just want to say thank you. Lord, we love you today. And it has been good to be together in fellowship with one another. Lord, we pray for people across our world right now. Lord, we pray for other countries where, Lord, right now Christians can't even meet like we are. Lord, they're meeting in darkness. They're meeting in small groups. Lord, they're, they're, they're meeting to hide because if they're found, Lord, they will be killed. They will be persecuted. But Lord, it's amazing to see and to read about church, your church, Father, that is growing exponentially in some of those countries right now. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your work will not end until the day that you complete it. And so, Lord, um, we, we ask that you would help us, uh, Lord, to follow you and to join you in your work. And so, Lord, we uh, ask all these things now in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen. God bless as you go from here.